When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Being battle-tested is, I guess, what you take from it. Because you know come January, you're going to need that. And um, and so having had that, I think, is the silver lining. Like I've said, I'd like to pull away from people more than we have and not gift teams opportunities like I felt the turnovers did today. But... Um, uh, the battle-tested part of it is what you pull from it and say that that can help us. Hello, this is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die, and where we just want to wave the flag. A lot of Vikings fans have been battle-tested for decades. Uh, This team is more than just battle-tested after that win in Buffalo yesterday, and we will break it all down now that we've been able to sleep on it here. Mackie, Judd, executive producer, Declan, we're rocking our Twinsies uh, Victory Monday hoodies here, which you can find at scorenorth.com slash shop. Been racking up these Victory Mondays. So far, uh, eight of them on the season for the Vikings. So, uh, well, let's get into it here. Presented by TCL, which is one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. New lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Before we get to our hottest, strongest Vikings takes, how many wind-down surlies did you need after that four-hour epic yesterday, Judd? I think I ended up with uh, three or four. I would have gotten more, but of course had to be up today because, and and I also had to had to be clear minded just to, to remember all of the things that took place in this marvelous game. It was absolutely yeah, sure. incredible. Uh, but yes, I I had um, as you saw during our vent line. Appreciate all the folks that watch that because it sounds like that was huge. Uh, I had a before I die. I added in a few furiouses and just wound down. And there's no better way to wind down or to enjoy a Vikings win than with a Surly beer. So Surly Brewing, and of course, Before I Die, which, by the way, continues, I mean, I, I don't want to raise expectations here, but continues to get a little bit closer and closer with each win, 8-1 and one now, Before I Die. Could it be a reality? I, I don't want to jinx things. One game at a time. Exactly right, Kevin O'Connell, but that is from Surly Brewing, so check them out. Yes. Um, my God, I feel like... I'm still processing what happened in that game yesterday. I'm sure you guys are as well. And uh, you mentioned Vikings Ventline. We just want to thank you guys, the audience, because the numbers are in this morning. And they're still coming in. The precincts are still reporting. I was going to say. We might have to go to a runoff. (laughs) Uh, But uh, this was the most consumed between YouTube and podcast. Vikings Ventline on Sunday was the single most consumed episode of Purple Daily in the history of the show over the three years that we've had it on both YouTube and podcast exclusively. And so thank you, guys. It, it just uh, recently snuck past the Alex Boone, Jim Harbaugh speculative episode yep. that I think hooked a lot of people in. Booney saying, here's why you guys will love Jim Harbaugh for like an hour. Back in January last year. And so thanks to a wild Vikings victory that was the most consumed episode of Purple Daily of all time. We'll start with Judd with your hottest, strongest Vikings take. All right. As Phil just said, there were a ton of things off this game, both big picture and small. I'm going to leave the painting with a broad brush to you two because here's my hottest, strongest 
Vikings take after giving it uh, great thought for the last, I don't know, 18 hours or so. But I've come to the conclusion that Justin Jefferson's one-handed 32-yard catch on 4th and 18 in the fourth quarter, which was absolutely paramount. I know the Vikings didn't score, but it was paramount to continuing that, that drive and to what eventually happened is the greatest catch in Vikings history. Mm. It is the greatest Whoa. catch in Vikings history. Now, let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. Is it the most consequential catch? No. The playoff catch, the miracle catch. But when you think about, go through every catch made in Vikings history, and you tell me how many have the the elements that this catch had, okay? First of all, athletic ability. It's a if nothing else, if that's just a high throw and he's not contested, it's a hell of a leaping catch. So start right there. It's probably good he is going to be actually what the Diggs catch was, which is a one-handed great grab. But it doesn't end there. A defender behind him has two hands on the ball. Justin has one hand. He then with, has to, with no leverage. His arms no like leverage, all the right. way behind his. Do you body. know how strong you have to be to then take that ball out of that guy's hands? To your point, without your feet planted, so you're not like it's not like you've got any type of advantage there. Takes the ball out of his hand, brings it back, and steals it out. It yeah. took skill, it took timing, and it took strength. And I believe this to be the greatest Vikings catch. Again, not the most consequential catch. The greatest Vikings catch I have ever seen, and I would say the greatest Vikings catch in the franchise 62-year history. Wow, wow. All right, what would be, if we're putting together like a pecking order or a Mount Rushmore of iconic Vikings catches? Rashad in 80. But that yeah, was They a just tip- celebrated that last weekend with Tommy and Bud and the crew, right? That's and the one they were- I think they're going to do that in the middle of this month. But anyway, like that oh, okay. catch is a great catch, but that's a tip ball. So that's some luck here. Like, keep in mind, there's nothing lucky about Jefferson's catch. There's no luck there. Yeah. There's no, like, oh, he caught a break. No, everything <laughs> was against him. He just he just took the ball with one hand. Yeah. The, the Gulliford catch against the Packers, where he supposedly came off the bench, is a, is a memorable catch. But it's not like a catch where you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that when he caught the ball, he caught it. The Diggs catch for the miracle, for sure. Yeah. Uh, some of Moss's catches. Yeah, like the Moss Moss over a couple defenders in Lambeau mm-hmm. Monday night is in the conversation. Dallas yep, Thanksgiving a, Day. The Dallas game. Didn't he, like, or just, the, the one-handed snag against the Seahawks, I think, like in, in the first week of the season, is like an iconic catch at the corner of the end zone that Moss had to where he just literally just catches it with one hand. There's a lot. And then just like general Chris, I can just see like a Chris Carter silhouette tiptoeing the sideline. There's a lot of those. Mm-hmm. I'd have to think back to see if, if any of those happened, like with the game on the line on the road against one yeah, of the three down. best teams in the NFL. You know, fourth down. If you don't catch that ball, that game's probably just over. Yeah, and and also just I, you you could tell that the juices were flowing between Justin Jefferson, and Stephon Diggs, <laughs> not because I think they love each other. They everything they've said about each other the last week or so has just been like praising each other, but. Yes. If you're Justin Jefferson, you want to show the world, yeah, this was the right trade to make. I'm better. And Diggs had a huge game. He was pretty much unstoppable in that game. And his numbers and impact paled in comparison to Justin Jefferson. When Diggs got the ball with that uh, great um, leaping one-handed catch, you said to yourself, that's going to be hard to top. Like there's not that's the be- that, that's one of the best catches of the season. I don't think that that's going to be top today. And it was because in that set, in that play, Diggs did not have a guy on on him. But the timing and importance of that catch, because I believe that there was one twenty four left, that kept the drive going. And keep in mind, what's important is okay, they didn't score, but it put the ball at the one. Well, the Allen fumbled snap happened because of that catch. So, like yeah. everything about that catch, to me goes into a great big football stew and I it comes out being the greatest catch in Vikings history. I love that take. It's a 
It's a, it's, a, it's a great take to debate. All right, Declan, what is your hottest, strongest Vikings team? All right, so um, this is like the blackjack table when uh, I have an 11 and the dealer is still showing a bus card at a 6, and I'm still going to double down here and, and, and slide in and get a double of my bet and, and win twice my money. So my hottest, strongest take here is thank you for Greg Joseph for missing the extra point. I'm actually thanking Greg Joseph for missing that extra point because it leads to all the great things that we were able to still see yesterday. Hold on. I, I need to throw a penalty flag. That is not a that is not a take. We're going to need you to rephrase that so that it Greg is Greg Joseph is missing the extra point. Greg Joseph missing the extra point was the best thing to happen to the Vikings okay. yesterday. That is a huge that is a take. Greg wow. Joseph missing the extra point was the best thing to happen to the Vikings yesterday <laughs> in the win. So they go down 23-27. The very next drive is where we see the greatest catch of all time that judges de- declared from Justin Jefferson. It forces the Vikings, too, to play an aggressive style. If, if, if you want to play for the tie eventually, if, if Joseph makes that field goal, we're playing for a tie. We're not playing then again eventually for a potential touchdown. We're not going to be throwing haymakers. We're not going to be going for it on fourth down. Greg Joseph missing that kick opens up an aggressive form for the Vikings. And, of course, does a scoop and score on the goal line when you feel convert on fourth and one still lingering to this? Yes, it does. Um, and, by the way, by the way, Greg by Joseph way. still nails a field goal in overtime to help you win the game. Greg Joseph missing that extra point has a butterfly effect, in my opinion, in this Vikings game that ends up actually making them look like the true Super Bowl contenders and the legit contenders that they should be right now in the NFC. So Greg Joseph missing that extra point was the greatest thing to happen to the Vikings yesterday. I am doubling down. Okay, let's go through this. I, this is an interesting take. So they're down 27-17 to 17 at the time of the touchdown, and he misses the extra point. So instead of it being 27-24 Buffalo, yep. it's 27-23. Yep. And then... Um, the Vikings get the ball. They're driving down. They So, like Declan said, they probably – so it still would have been likely – I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they would have even, like, stopped short further because they would have even – I don't think they would have been super conservative until the fourth down decision. Then you have to decide, do we kick a game-tying field goal or do we try and sneak it in with Kirk, mm-hmm. which is what they did. Let me stop right there. Do you guys think they would have settled for a game-tying field goal there or do you think they would have – screw it, guys – we're on the doorstep. Let's go for the win right now. My gut says field goal. Um, just and also this team hasn't been, which is going to be maybe in later on statements of Mackie and Judd. This team just is not good on fourth down. They're not as aggressive on fourth down. And I think I think Kevin O'Connell would have been a little gung shy there after what happened in this game. What happened in the Arizona game? I think they would have elected for the field goal personally. How much time is left if they do that? Um, so there was there was fourth. Uh, let me see here. There was like a. Like 45 seconds left. Uh, 50, yeah, 50 seconds left when Kirk ran up the middle um, for no game. When, play for when, that, when that play stopped, there was yeah. Yeah, between 40 and 50 seconds yeah. left. Yeah. So they would have been giving, if they kick a field goal, they're giving the ball back to Buffalo with right. no timeouts, but only a field goal to win the game in that situation. Of course, Buffalo wound up down by three in the same situation and still kicked the field goal to tie it and send it right. to overtime. Right. Um, you know what that was? That was the Vikings have done a great job of creating their own fortune, and there's no question that football gods, unlike the last two years, are smiling down. But that was a very soft landing to tell you, Declan, that you got a kicking problem. That's what that was. That was a soft <laughs> landing of the football gods saying, You got a kicking problem, but I'm not going to screw you. Uh, I fear next time they won't get as fortunate, and I fear next time, unfortunately, it might come in the playoffs. Joseph's now missed four PATs. That's as many as he missed all of last year. So I I get that it ended up being fortuitous. And, hell, I mean, Josh Allen dropped a snap. What are the odds of that, too? Uh, but uh, I can't get past the fact that I think it's uh, it's time for us all to understand you got a kicking problem. Yeah, and I don't like I don't I love this take, by the way, because it's, it's 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 great for sort of like butterfly effect fodder. I still think they go for it in that situation. I think they – because here's the other thing. Not that Kevin O'Connell is, like, weighing a moral victory in his head. He wanted to win the game. But if you wind up losing this game 27-23, to 23, which is what the outcome was supposed to be before Josh Allen fumbled that snap, I think Vikings fans, I think everyone in that locker room, you, st- you still feel like, okay, we lost, but – 
We just went toe-to-toe on the road with one of the three best teams in the NFL. And it sucks that we lost. But we can, we can, we can hold our heads high knowing that we can play with any team in the NFL in any environment, right? Yep. So I think, I think with that backdrop, I think the risk is even less to just go for the win uh, if they were in, in the spot to do so, if they were only down by three instead of four. And I, I think it's important to point this out, too. O'Connell was well aware, and we saw this. If you tie the game and now you got to kick off, you know damn well the Bills are going down the field quickly and probably beating you on a field goal. Correct. That's the one thing that I would say. Like we did see yesterday, the the um, the ease with which the Bills moved down the field at certain key times was alarming. So if you tie that game, it's not like, okay, there's three seconds left, let's go to o- OT. It's time for a drive, and we saw that, so you might be right. Like he might have said, you know what, screw it. If we tie this game, we're going to lose. Yeah. Let's just try and go for the win. Yeah. All right, my hottest, strongest Vikings take. I've done some digging on this. This was the biggest win, period, in the Kirk Cousins era of Vikings football. And I know you're going to say, what about the Saints playoff game? Mm -hmm. Well, the Vikings oddly had the Saints number as a franchise at that point. Like Mike Mike Zimmer had the Saints number defensively by that point. Mm -hmm. The miracle in 2017. And so... Kirk deserves a ton of credit for for the dagger throw to Adam Thielen that eventually, you know, and then the throw to Kyle Rudolph, which, you know, sent them into the second round of the playoffs. But if you look back since 2018, here's a list of road victories against teams that finished the season above 500. 2018, the Vikings beat the 9-7 Eagles in Philadelphia. 2019 playoffs, they beat the Saints. That was a 13 and three Saints team. But again, they defensively, they, there was just something about those Zimmer defenses that were impossible for not impossible, but like difficult for the Saints to figure out. 2020, the Vikings beat the 13 and three Packers at Lambeau Field, but the Vikings were two and five at the time of the victory and never surfaced above 500. So it was a game in which they were trying to like get back to relevancy, but it wasn't two Titans at the top of their conference is facing off and then the only other one is last year the Vikings beat the nine and eight the eventual nine and eight Chargers in Los Angeles this year the Dolphins but they played backup quarterbacks the Dolphins probably finish above 500 at the end of the season but you can count on one hand how many times the Kirk Cousins led Vikings have went on the road and beat a team that finished above 500 and I'm going to put this win above the Saints' playoff win in terms of magnitude, stature, and I think what it means for the team. I know it's going to sound crazy because it's a playoff win versus another one. Right. Um, But um, I just think that environment in Buffalo, like the Vikings have, historically, they've kind of solved the Saints here and there, except for 2009, which that was officiating more than anything else. Um, So, yes, this this was the biggest win of the Vikings and Kirk Cousins era going back to 2018. I got to give that some thought because the Saints game. The issue with the Saints game is we know we know how it came out eventually, right? Which is the next week you go to play San Francisco and you get your ass kicked. That taints it. So a little bit. so yeah. th- that taints it for sure. Uh, but this game from start to finish, and I mean it got crazier. Felt huge. This felt. I was trying to recall as I, I watched the, that game, and this was actually I think in in the first half. So. It hadn't even got nuts yet. I was trying to remember the last Vikings game that I covered or watched on TV that felt this big in the regular season. Like, when's the last time that they played a game that there was, like, that was game of the week intensity. It was just absolutely fantastic. And it won. Just just hanging out at noon. And it felt like a playoff game. That game just, like, parked at noon was a travesty. Well, yeah, it was. But you know what? It still worked out. Did Kirk didn't have to play in prime time. Might have worked out well. But the but the point is, I'd be inclined to agree, and I guess it's going to depend a little bit on how things play out from here. Uh, but just based on, too, that this team now, especially since Kirk joined it, feels so different. Like, it feels so different. And look, you know what? Kirk's stats, again, weren't great. 
They, they weren't careful. They weren't great. Hater. But Don't you be a hater. hater. Don't but, be a hater. But you know what he did? Well, no. I am here. I am here to dispel the statistical love and say no. The love is in wins. This is why quarterback wins are important. Like, don't give pitching wins. I'll discuss that all day long, and I'll probably agree with those who say that that's stupid because it's some arbitrary. If you pitch long enough, you're going to get the win, and 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 some slappy comes in and and gets two outs and gets a win. It's stupid. But quarterback play, quarterback wins. You are unless you get hurt or you suck. The quarterback a record. Yeah. So it matters when you can win games. And and like what we're seeing to me a lot of times from Kirk is he is doing the things with, you know, help and assistance from from O'Connell too, because I, I think it's important to point that out. But he's doing things to get you wins. So I would not go I would not fight to the death about your statement. I would say I think I believe I believe in the power of QB wins over a long career sample size. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you're a, a hundred a hundred twenty games into your quarterback career, and you're a, and you're below five hundred, you're either not that good, along for the ride, or you're Matthew Stafford playing for the Lions for ten years, something mm-hmm. like that. Yesterday, like if we were to sit here and divvy up, and Declan's going to kind of do this in a second with his pie chart, but if we were going to divvy up like win shares for yesterday, Kirk tried to wreck that game a couple different times with two. One, the first interception, you could say, well, it was windy and it sailed. All right, it was a terrible throw. The second interception was just a blue screen of death, short circuit. I agree with what Dex said on Ventline yesterday. It looked like he thought the Bills defender was a Vikings outlet pass. Oh, I think he did. He did. And they were down by, what, 17 points? And just it was just a classic Kirk, mm-hmm. teeth-clenching meltdown game. Mm-hmm. And all the while, like, Patrick Peterson picking off a pass to keep the game alive. Defense getting pressure, holding the Bills to six points in the second half. Dalvin Cook ripping off an 80-yard run. Justin Jefferson catching nine 50% or less uh, there's next gen stats said he had, he had yeah. nine catches of fifty percent probability to catch the ball or less in that game. So to me, the the best thing Cousins did was just keep getting up, keep moving forward, and keep throwing it to Justin Jefferson. He played largely poorly in that game, but I'm kind of like this is where I, just to circle it back to Judd's point. This is where I'm at with with sort of like sharpening the Kirk Cousins pencil. We've seen what he can do at his peak. We know that he can do the 320, like, three-touchdown thing. And he's probably got a couple of those left in him. We know what his peak looks like. Right. I think the ability to keep moving forward and to, like, overcome terrible mistakes. You're having a terrible game. His QBR was, like, 39 out of 100 yesterday. It was a statistically terrible game for him. And he just kept throwing the ball, chunking the ball down the field to Justin Jefferson anyways. Yeah. Keep doing it anyways. Yeah. On the road against Buffalo. So... Um, again, it was just like a kind of a perfectly imperfect performance by him in so many ways. And you can also tell the infrastructure has now been morphed and changed to there. There is an element in watching the games now that there is a belief in Kirk that, in my opinion, was not there previously. And I know exactly why. But it helps when the when the coach is the one leading the coach, that. Belief, and the coach, right? but right. But I mean, the coaches emboldening Kirk. Kirk clearly has taken that. And yes, you know what. Kirk didn't play well, but you know who, who had damn good stats and completed some absolutely key passes? Kirko. Mm-hmm. So okay. when Kirko when Kirko came in, <laughs> and you can't see it, you can't see it. It looks like the same guy, but believe me, it's not the same guy. When Chain wearing Kirko took the field, guess what? There was a savvy, there was a swagger. It was Namath like in '69. Just waving that finger. It's Kirko waving that finger. Kirko, let's get it. Uh, all right, that was those are your hottest, strongest Vikings takes here. And before we get to it's Declan's turn to be the chef here on Pie Chart Monday. Let's shout out our friends at Underdog. Got to be some cr- some crazy tickets from yesterday floating oh, around. Oh yes, I, on I, Underdog. I've gotten a lot of DMs. I actually, I wonder if I can give one of our lucky listeners just my login information and they can start making my pick'em slips for me. Because uh, Chris over here. A five-item parlay for a nice little $1,000 payout for our guy Chris. So he took the over on 
Uh, a lot of things in the Vikings-Bills game. Took the over on Dawson Knox, TJ Hawkinson, JJ with reception, Stefan Diggs with receiving overs. yards. <laughs> all overs. He's riding all overs. And we ride unders like I did yesterday. You get burned on your parlay. I hit the first two legs. No problem. But the third item, I took an under and I got burned. But underdog fantasy is still the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's the best way to get a sweat on games. Not just in the NFL, but in the NHL and the NBA, PGA. Plenty of options on underdog fantasy. And when you join with promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, they will double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So download the Underdog Fantasy promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, first deposit up to 100 bucks. Underdog Fantasy and the Underdog Fantasy app. Boys, beneath this glorious Victory Monday hooded sweatshirt, this oh Purple Daily Victory Monday hooded sweatshirt, beneath the fold, old Macadac's got his Chill Boys long oh, underwear. Rocking and rolling today. What's one word to describe how Chill Boys made you feel over the weekend? Winning. You know what? Vikings won. <laughs> Golfers won, too. Winning. I feel, in fact, I, I went to the Gopher football game on Saturday. You know, it's chilly here now. It's yeah, snowing today, it's but it, it was cold on Saturday. Yeah. And I was rocking the Long Johns. And I'm going to tell you again, I have never been in my life so happy to see cold because cold means chill boys, Long Johns, and those Long Johns mean ultimate comfort. I'm not joking. If you haven't tried these out, these will change your life. From a Long John's ordinarily bunched up point of, of view, so I was winning, Phil Mackey. A Long John's bunched up point of view is the point of view I choose to view the world through. That was a I hated Long John's. <laughs> Before this, I hated them. I love them. They were yeah. uncomfortable. They were warm, but they were it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Chill Boys just changed it. Dex, what's a word to describe for for your Chill Boys experience? Warm. It, it was a warm weekend because I had my also my long johns on. I got a tailgate oh. coming up this weekend, Judd Zogat. Speaking of Sky Yuma, row the boat, go Gophers. I got a tailgate. We got Iowa coming to town, and I'm going to be nice and warm in my chill, boys. And same thing. We did a little bar hopping on Saturday afternoon with the pup Vinny. We were able to walk around a little bit, and then I had my long john chill, boys, on. So I was doing good. So I, luckily, things were doing all right, and I was keeping warm because of my friends at Chill Boys. Beautiful. Chillboys.com. It's a Minnesota-based company. You can find them online. We appreciate you supporting all of our partners here on Purple Daily and all across the Score North network of podcasts. All right, it's time. Declan has uh, pulled a pie out of the oven. Now on Mackie and Judd. You wanted better charts that you could see the fine print on. The pie chart of praise. You should be singing his praises. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, you're up, Chef Dex. Never before have I had to throw away just pies. I had pies in the oven. The oven was preheated. I, I had a great ingredients of pies, and I, you know, I had, I had to take a bite of that pie. I gave a bite to Vinny too, and he said, "You gotta throw away that pie, dude. That that's not good." I'm a dog, and I'll eat just about anything you put in my mouth. But Be at the same the time, it's bad for him. Sounds like you guys give Vinny a little too much people food. Okay, just, so yeah. he's drinking now. He's sometimes he, he's, he's accompanying he dad on, on. He's not getting. He's not. He's not. He's not Stella. Okay, he's not getting crazy. He's he's he, he's the DD. He's he's walking around with with. He likes the snow too. This morning, big snow guy. He loves. Playing in the snow, okay. That's not um, very exciting. But he's doing all right. Okay, all right, so uh, so your pie chart of blame is in the garbage. Yes, thankfully. It was probably, it was probably fully as Josh Allen's lining up for like a kneel down. That pie, the alarm was going off on the oven saying, "Hey, your pie chart of blame is done. It's oh, already yeah. cooked." But yeah, it's been thrown away. So yeah, I, I had I had to make a whole new pie here. So fellas, I have five pieces of pie. I have five pieces of pie to slice up and dice and uh, dissect here on this pie chart of praise. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Let's go to the first piece of pie. Let's call it the football gods. 10% (laughs) to the football gods for smiling upon the Minnesota Vikings. The 2020, this is maybe even a bigger piece of pie, not just in the Bills game, but just another overarching theme of the season. The Vikings are catching some breaks here and there. They're winning close games. They're doing a lot of things that always hurt them in the past. And the football gods, even when you miss an extra point, still smile upon you and still give you a victory. So 10% to the football gods, whoever he is or she is, they deserve a little bit of piece of praise in this pie chart. So 10% to the football gods. How do we reconcile this? Because this is a day of celebration, jubilation. This is the happiest I can remember Vikings fans being in years. It was pretty lucky. It was pretty lucky. How do we how do we reconcile the fact that the game was over at 27-23 and then the football gods smiled? A rare smile from the football gods to the Minnesota Vikings. It's very, very simple, and it's been a season 
long trend, and that's the most important thing. You create your own luck. You create your own luck. And you work hard for it. For instance, the 4th and 18 catch. Jefferson doesn't catch that. You don't get to the 1. You don't get stopped. Josh Allen is taking a snap at midfield, and I guarantee doesn't fumble it. Yeah. So so I, this is why when the Vikings say, last year, if we had won close games, we're 15-2. and two. And I'm like, no, you're not, because you didn't win close games, okay? You can't, like, take credit of, well, we got unfortunate. You, and I think that Kevin O'Connell's attitude and demeanor plays a big role here. You create your luck through hard work. So I have no problem with this because of, of the fact that I will never say, well, the 2021 Vikings, you don't understand, Phil. They were a really good team. They would have won a ton of games if they hadn't choked. So you're not choking yeah. here. So I have no problem with with luck and with some assistance because the Vikings are working hard to get that luck. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, they didn't, like, create... All of it. I mean, there's right. a certain percentage of yesterday's game that if you if you ran that if you ran the last 40 seconds back a hundred times, you probably only win that game twice. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe like maybe like five times. Maybe there's a safety in there or something. But it's it's like you're and maybe their win probability was one percent or or less than that. But generally speaking, I I agree that. And also worth noting because some people are lumping in the interceptions, like the red zone interceptions, in the luck category. Josh Allen had, I believe, the most turnover-worthy plays of any yeah. quarterback going into this game. He is incredible, but he's also a little loosey-goosey. That's not luck. Not a shock that the veteran, wily veteran, future Hall of Famer Patrick Peterson is the one that found two opportunities to change that game. Right? That's not he luck. knew he Agreed. knew those were going to be available, and he pounced. So okay. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Second piece of pie, same amount of percentage, but we're going to give it to Dalvin Cook, who. Rifled up an 81-yard run that I think kind of now that opened up the rest of the game for the Vikings. At that point, it looked like they were dead in the water. It looked like, okay, like my pie chart of praise was mostly already assembled at that point, maybe just a few pieces here and there. He rifles off that 81-yard run, and then everything changed from there. Now, this is also, though, the fun part of running backs because outside of that 81-yard run, I mean, he had a pretty ineffective day, like 13 carries on 38 yards if you remove that 81-yard run. I think he only had like three or four rushing attempts in the first half in general. So his home run run, if you will, opened up the rest of the Vikings game for them. Once they got that big play from Dalvin, everything started going up, coming up Vikings, basically. So he does deserve a piece of praise, but it's just 10% of my pie chart, it goes to Dalvin Cook. That's Very probably, of, of the 15 crazy things that happened in that game, that run was crazy because it was an 80, just an 80-yard run kind of out of nowhere. And you're right. It was like the thing that, it was like the, the casket door opened and the Undertaker sat up real quick. And, and and it was game on from that point. Yes, that, that run swung the game. Because Dex is right. That game felt done. And like the Vikings felt done. And this is where they're different. And this is where you create your luck, right? Because instead of saying, we're down by 17, we are screwed. Let's go home. They're like, hell no. There's this weird, this is not a regular thing, but there is this weird thing when teams have the ability to never be done, basically, where things start to sway your way sometimes. And like the resilience, which the 2021 Vikings completely lacked, the (laughs) resilience of this team is just damn impressive. Amen. All right. Well, let's keep going, Chef. All right. So uh, the next chunk of pie might be a little controversial, but I'm I'm going to give it to him anyway because he plays the most important position and he still was making throws. I'm giving 20% to Kirk. Now, Cousins statistically and eye test-wise had moments yesterday that were pretty dumbfounding. Like a 71 passer rating, the pick we had that we just talked about, the second interception was absolutely buffoonery. Not to spoil one of our PFF grades, but Kirk Cousins was one of the lowest graded players on the Vikings yesterday. Was one of the lowest oh, those, graded players. Oh, the grades players. are out. The grades the are grades out. Are out. Oh, oh, now you've lost oh. Mackie. Oh, sorry, dudes. Your, your pie chart now. Yeah. That's going to be like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, 20%. I'll, I'll yeah, be... that's, that's a good chunk of pie. Uh, okay, 25 <laughs> uh, uh, Yeah, Kirk, although had a statistically maybe poor game, he was still aggressive. He still pushed the ball down the field. He didn't let the circumstances that I think typically would have shipwrecked him before he didn't allow that to happen. I think that's an empowering of Kirk. That's also trusting your star players in Justin Jefferson. And I'm going to throw you a, not a 50-50 ball, let's call it an 80-20 ball that's going to get caught, and you're still going to come down with it. 
um, trusting those star players, giving the ball to TJ Hawkinson a lot, finding Thielen, finding KJ, maximizing his playmakers, even when his stats don't look great. So I'm still going to give 20% of my pie to Kirk Cousins. He deserves some chunk of praise in the pie chart. 20% to okay. Kirk. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. That's fair. Uh, same amount of people. Look at Mackie right now, Dex. Uh, okay, yeah. He's just like, uh, oh, the grades. Yeah, yeah. The grades okay. are out. Ah, the grades. <laughs> okay, real quick. One thing about the grades. <laughs> we interrupt this pie. All right. So he had a really low run grade, even though he had that great. He's had a couple great scrambles in recent weeks, yeah. but I think they must have dinged him for the quarterback sneak, not oh. getting home. Because ultimately, right. like, yeah, some of it's on the offensive line, but some of it's on, like, you just got to find Got to find a spot to dive into the end zone, right? Are interceptions so. just graded the same? So, like, was the interception, the second interception graded the same as the first interception? Does that make sense? They will likely have different grades based on circumstance. Right. Okay. So the second the second interception, again, I, I didn't, like, go back and break down the film. Just yeah. watching the replay on TV five times. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the worst interceptions <laughs> you'll ever see. Yeah. So... He definitely got dinged for that, yeah. Okay. Um, we got two pieces of pie left here. Two pieces of pie left in this pie chart of praise. Uh, 20% Patrick Peterson, man. Come on down. Uh, two interceptions. I, I did kind of find it hilarious on the first one where that probably had an opportunity to be maybe a pick six, and maybe six years ago Patrick Peterson <laughs> runs yeah, that back no problem. He, he, he the, didn't even get tackled. He the, just like fell to the ground. There, there was a gif. <laughs> That, I don't know if you guys saw us going around, but it was it was a gas gauge, and at the gas gauge, Patrick Peterson at the gas gauge was at like a little more than a half a tank, and then immediately the gas gauge just in like the wintertime, just immediately fell down to E. He he just ran. I think he was so hyped up, he just probably also fell over on top of his age. But it was kind of hilarious. But he sealed the game, and overtime he uh, seals the game with dude. with the actual game yeah. sealing interception. He actually had a couple of big pat, pass deflections. Um, Pat P, man, I mean, having a resurgent year here with the Vikings. He's been awesome. He deserves 20% of my pie chart of praise. And on that first pick, what was Josh Allen thinking when he not only helped make the tackle, but he tried to punch the ball, and he ended up basically taking his bad elbow and hitting Peterson with it? Yeah. What? Dude, come on. I know you're tough, and I know you're mad, but that was stupid. That was pretty dumb. He does get, yeah. I mean, he definitely thinks he's a football player. And he is the most football player of all the quarterbacks, probably. Yep. But, yeah, I don't know. And then he's just, like, writhing in pain. But overall, I don't know, man. That guy was throwing, like, three-quarters lasers, 15, 20 yards. He's throwing bombs down the field. It it didn't look like they must have given him a nice little cortisone shot a couple days ago. (laughs) That's what they do with pitchers who have partially torn UCLs and, you know, elbow sprains. Say, oh, you want to get Tommy John? I'd rather wait till the end of the season. Can you just shoot me up here, Doc? (laughs) Countless pitchers do that, and I'm sure. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Josh Allen. All right, so final chunk of pie to probably no surprise. Forty percent, the last piece, biggest chunk of pie here. Justin Jefferson. Um, just an amazing day. The the nine catches of less than fifty percent probability. Uh, at, at at the end of the day, he had sixteen targets for a hundred and ninety three yards, uh, a touchdown, ten receptions. You, you trusted your star player. Um, you trusted your star receiver to come down with those footballs. Even looking at the pictures of the, I still don't understand. I thought it was picked. I, my my initial gut was I thought the Buffalo Bills player intercepted that football, and I was like, oh okay. And I think that's yeah, the reason where I first got up, and I was going to go to old Macadac and say, let's fire up this vent line. Um, but he changed the game for the Vikings yesterday. Stefan Diggs had an amazing catch. You could have made a case. Hey, there, that was the first catch of the year right there. And Justin Jefferson won up to him with an even more spectacular grab. Um, so yeah. Jefferson Jefferson, in my opinion, had the biggest chunk of pie in that win. He was the biggest focal point for the Vikings getting the win, so he gets 40%. So my pie chart appraised five pieces. Dalvin Cook, 10%. Football Gods, 10%. Kirk Cousins, 20%. Patrick Peterson, 20%. And 40% to Justin Jefferson. That is my knows pie chart. how you feel about pie. Amazing. Judd, do you take any issues with Chef Dex's creation here? Uh, yeah, I take a little bit off uh, Kirk's piece. Because I, I do think Kirk... Kirk Get, getting a small slice is fine, and hater, I would give. Hater, hater, I give ten percent to Kirk, Kirk and ten percent. Kevin O'Connell. Admit you were wrong. Sorry, Kevin, Kevin O'Connell. O'Connell. Yeah. Um, what he's instilled with this team, like he's the start of the belief system. These guys have no business being down by seventeen in the third quarter, thinking, you know what, we're not dead yet. 
They have no business because this is the Buffalo Bills, AFC champions potentially, right? And they not only came back, but they did it in a way that was like, oh, wow, they're coming back. And and they've taken me to a point now where I wasn't completely shocked by that fact. Yeah. Because, and, and this is not a, just to be clear, splitting hair slightly here. This is not a despicable, furious rally team, okay? That's a team of losers and underachievers who does what Kirk used to do, which is, we're coming back in the fourth quarter. We're not going to win, but my stats go up, and the score looks respectable. That is a despicable act, to quote Joe Buck. This team actually starts to come back, and you're like, oh, my God, they're going to do it again. Yeah. So... Yeah, I would say uh, the biggest nub for me was Duke Shelley not getting at uh, least a Shelley 2%. Island, uh, Shelley Island There's some injury a great here, pass right. break. Are there, though? I mean, Duke Shelley's here now, so I'm... Uh, Blake Brendel at left tackle. In Dude, place he was, he was not terrible in that game. He was not, but We'll, look, we'll look at the grades. We'll look really, at the grades, but... Yeah, he gave up a sack. I think he was actually solid, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying Christian Derrissaw makes me feel very good when yeah. he's playing left tackle. Yeah, he's, he's a good football player. He's good uh, at football. Speaking of pie, by the way. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. You can still eat pie in moderation this time of year with Libya, right? You got to be smart. But look, the key to to the weight that I drop, 40 pounds, and most importantly, keeping that weight off, thanks to my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers, is this. It is not a diet. It's not a quick fix. It is a lifestyle change that is going to benefit you from the day that you start to drop weight on a program that if you follow it is as simple as possible to the day that your dietitian helps you keep that weight off and that's the most important thing and i have a new offer to announce it started yesterday uh for but the new offer is this join today and save 50 percent, 50 percent, and keep in mind if you join now, guess what? It's getting cold out, but imagine when spring starts to come around and now you've dropped 30 pounds, 40 pounds, and you all those clothes that you just put away, you're like, these won't fit. They start to fit inside or out, outside the state. It can be done, uh, done certainly virtually or in the state. There are several of their uh, centers, 855-GO-LIVIA, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. That is the key to unlocking your weight loss journey, livia.com. Business owners out there, if you are looking to elevate and maximize your business, Federated Insurance has over 100 years of experience in doing just that. In fact, in 1904, a group of farmers and business owners in and around Owatonna, Minnesota, pooled their resources together, seeking better value for their premium dollar. And what followed in the decades uh, to come, consistent growth, expanding to provide property coverage, and a business was formed and uh, and spawned. And by mid-century, Federated became one of the nation's first multi-line insurance companies. And uh, here they are helping all sorts of businesses in and outside the state of Minnesota. Find out more about how Federated can offer you frontline protection, like a great offensive line for your business, at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. We got to get to uh, nitpicks and what are we doing, guy? But if you haven't already clicked the subscribe button on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and the like button, please do so you can help spread the word about this Daily Vikings community that you are helping us build. Um, and if you miss Ventline, obviously that was just a crazy celebration for 90 minutes. So go check that out too. Um, let's get to nitpicks here. Whenever the Vikings lose, which is apparently never, uh, we do silver linings, and to keep it balanced, whenever they win, we do nitpicks. So, Judd, what was – we can just do one or two each here and then get to what are we doing, guy, but uh, give us one of your nitpicks from yesterday. Uh, this one is actually an old man nitpick. Um, it happened early in the game. Justin Jefferson's touchdown catch was followed by – yeah. and I, I asked on Twitter and I saw this, okay? So I now <laughs> know I now know that, that this was done, I think, by a couple of players from Florida. Um but the gritty that now involves grabbing the back of your leg like you've hurt your hamstring, uh, dude, I don't need that. I don't need that <laughs> old fa- – like, I don't – I'm sure it's cool, but, dude, come on. You're Justin Jefferson. And and it's not Justin's fault, but you don't know the history of the franchise that you're playing for, nor should you, but just trust me. Grabbing your hamstring when you are right now probably – or 
definitively the best receiver in the National Football League. In a game in which our blood pressure is already going to soar, we don't need that. The the gritty is great. I love the dance. Quit doing it, but don't grab your hamstring. That's fair. I think everyone kind of... It, it took Joe a, Davis is like, he's grabbing his hamstring. And then yeah, Daryl Moose Johnson, who's 100 years old now, too, from those early 90s Cowboys teams, yes. just like, didn't know what was happening. Is he, is I he, didn't either, to be what fair. What are these gyrations? Why is he grabbing himself? What's happening? <laughs> and then, you know, actually, you know, another thing, too, Daryl Johnson, God bless him. He used to be on the A squad like 20 years ago on the Fox broadcast. Nobody loves burning pointless timeouts early in the game more than Daryl Moose Johnston. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills, 90 not. seconds into that game, it was third down and eight, and uh, they burned a timeout. It would have been th- is it th- third and eight or third and 13. You're, like, deep in your own territory. You're not, like, on the verge of the red zone or anything. And they just call a timeout. Of course, Sean McDermott just calls a timeout with 90 seconds, 90 like seconds into the game. And Daryl Moose Johnson's like, this is a great time. First of all, it's a terrible timeout. Why are you that unorganized 90 seconds in the game? He's this is a great timeout. Because now, now it's a third and eight instead of a third and 13. I'm like, is that really all that different at that stage in the game when you have Josh Allen as your quarterback? I'd probably save the t- I Don't be burning dumb timeouts. But There's nothing whatever. in your playbook for third and 13, Phil. <laughs> Uh, well, ba- on back-to-back uh, third downs, I think there was something in the Bills' playbook in the second half, which is actually that's one of my nitpicks. Just Ed Donashell, <laughs> great job holding the Bills to six points in the second half in overtime. But my God, that defense gave us some heart attacks on a third and fifteen, yeah. back-to-back third downs, third and fifteen, and a third and sixteen back-to-back conversion. So. I need a little less Ed Donatelle on some of those third downs, and I need Ed Donatelle or whatever the pressure version yes. of him is to come out. That was uh, slightly unforgivable, I guess. What about you, Dex? Uh, can we stop? This might be a combination of nitpicks and classic. Can we stop? Can we stop with the tight end slip screen? I, I it seems like we are trying <laughs> to make the tight end slip screen happen so many times, and I love T.J. Hawkinson, dude. He's going to be a great addition to this Vikings offense. But every time we try this play, whether it was with Hawkinson, whether it was with Kyle Rudolph, or even Tyler Conklin, it doesn't work. It does not work. It gets sniffed out every single time. Stop making the screen happen in my mean girl's voice here. Like, stop trying to make the tight end slip screen happen. Yeah, it's not going to work, chip, dude. little chip and oh, leak out. Just, no. No, 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 no. Just slant them over the middle. Do something else. You don't have to get, put them in a you tight know, end slip screen every time. I get it's it's Monday early out west, but how is it that Declan Goff said tight end slip screen and we did not immediately get the Well, he was talking. I'm, but I, you know. yeah. I just, but I mean, There's you say reason that the button bar was taken away from you. Tight, it was taken away. It was, it was it, yanked away from you. If this me. were up to you, we would just have every three seconds yeah. we'd be firing sounders. Just or, or, well, that's right. Or, or, that's or, play, or he just says, he doesn't say play the sound, he says play it, and it's like, could it be Joy? could it be football, could it be Baldinger, no, could it be something? Do you think you're suited to be the fourth guy in our group, Buzz Killington? I know what the kids want. I know what the kids want. A little gritty, grab your hamstring, but then you keep play doing the Joy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'll give you another one here, too. All right, the Vikings, we gave you this on the State of the Offense last Thursday on Purple Daily. If you were paying attention, you knew that the Vikings were one of the best third and fourth down short yardage teams in the NFL. They run the ball somewhat on those downs, but they also have some creative pass plays. Um, so, but, but either way, like whether they're running the ball, cause they're a really good, I mean, Dalvin's averaging five yards a carry. They're a really good short yardage run team, but they've been really creative inside the five yard line, short yardage, jet sweep motions. They had a back to back inside the, uh, two minutes of the first half. It was a third and one and a fourth and one. And they went with just sort of straight drop back longer passes by Kirk Cousins instead of just instead of running something that you would run on like a two point conversion or, you know, uh, a third and goal from the two. They just kind of had Kirk drop back and throw passes. And I wasn't in love with those play calls. I think if you just lean forward with Dalvin Cook on either third and one or fourth and one, you pick up the new set of downs and you might have a chance to go in and score before the end of that. So, and so O'Connell's, I, I think I know exactly what his thinking is, and I tend to side w- with you. Like one pass attempt on third down 
to Jefferson is fine, but fourth down, go for it. I love that call. That's absolutely the correct call, but run the football. I think what O'Connell runs into is this. I think the fourth down play to Osborne, he considered for the third down play, and he loved both plays so much, he's like, one of these has to work, right? So he's like, the Jefferson play, okay, that's going to work. It didn't work. But instead of saying, all right, we need, we need one yard. I think they were at like the Buffalo 28 or something. So going forward, 1,000% the right call. But instead of saying, you know what, let's just get that, let's hammer that ball through, uh, get the blocking, and then go to the Osborne play later, He's like, I love that play call for third down. So on fourth down, I'm and yeah, I think that, I think he's going to have to at times fall out of love a little bit with the play calls and say, what can we do just to get this? Like it's fourth yeah. down, let's just get it. So I do agree with that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, any other nitpicks before we yeah. get to what are you doing, guy? Okay. TV. Back to our point from before, but it's this. So fans of teams get mad when they think. Well, that TV crew at Fox gave the Bills too much credit, and they didn't give the Vikings enough love. Now, I'm not saying that I heard that, but I'm, but that's ordinarily the theme of the disgruntlement from fans. Here's mine. My disgruntlement happens when announcers like Moose on Sunday try to spout cliches about teams. Like, they've been around the team since Friday. They go to practice. They played the game. They've talked to the coaches, but they say things like, Daniil Hunter is having a resurgent season. Instead of knowing that, okay, of late, he's certainly improved. But you got to put this, if you're going to talk about his season, put it in the proper context. Like, it's not that hard. We're not talking about a slappy on special teams that, you know, Chris Boyd. I don't expect to talk about Chris Boyd. But, you know, I don't think it's too hard to identify five to ten players per team that you really should dig down on and know what you're talking about. And and it felt like Moose, to a large degree, just fell back on cliches. And I don't care if he praises, you know, the Bills. That's fine with me. But let's know what we're talking about when we're talking about the absolute key players on both these teams. It's possible Moose is just kind of, I don't say mailing it in, but Moose has been Moose has been around for a long time. He has been. Did he start playing in the eighties? Yeah. And now he's he's been broadcasting for like yeah. twenty years. He's a Neil so Hunter, old, you know, old Moose might just be. In, enjoying his time at NFL stadiums at this point. You might be right. I'm just, that's, that's just my nit, that's my nitpick about the Fox telecast. Okay. Uh, okay. It's time now for what are we doing guy? Let's start with 24 seconds left in the fourth quarter. The Buffalo bills are down by three points. No timeouts. I think they were out of timeouts at this point, frantically trying to drive down the field. They might've had one timeout, whatever it was. And uh, Josh Allen drops back to pass, throws a 20-yard ball through the air to a diving Gabe Davis along the left sidelines. Great catch at live speed, right? Just, boom, cradles that thing, gets the feet in, slides out of bounds. But, uh, I don't know, this is a pretty key moment on the edge of field goal range, down by three. And for all of these yahoos on social media, well, the Vikings didn't have any timeouts inside two minutes. It's a booth review, automatic booth review. And uh, the Bills rush to the line of scrimmage, rightfully so, because you're trying to just, like, snap the ball before they can they can review it. Inexplicably, the officials did not review what turned out to be kind of a, a bobbled catch. It would not have been a catch. Now, maybe they just throw another one and they get into field goal range. Who knows? But that ball took them from their own 40 inside the Vikings 40 with 24 seconds left and a stopped clock as they're trying to kick a field goal to tie the game, to not go back and look at that. And then, I don't think any of us saw this in real time, but Pete Bursich from the radio crew put a screenshot out. I don't know if the officials have commented on this, but with five minutes left in overtime, Vikings are inside the five-yard line looking to win the game. And if you remember, there was a pass to Dalvin Cook. I'm pretty sure if I'm – I might be, like, merging drives together here, but I think they threw a pass to Dalvin Cook out to the right. And it just got stuffed for like a three or four yard loss. Yep. And then they only continued to go backwards after that. Yep. You're like, man, the Bills were swarming to the football on that play. Uh, yeah. They had 12 guys on the field. Not like a 12th guy running off the field. They had 12 guys playing oh, man, defense. defense on the play. <laughs> Genius. Genius. <laughs> 
You talk about a prevent. That's going to prevent a lot of things. Yes. So just to the officials, it's 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 what are we doing, guys? Are you serious? You can't count. You can't just run a quick replay to see if Gabe Davis got uh, that ball secured. That's such a weird one, too, because the entire purpose of that system is is okay. In a bang bang play, the officials on the field got it wrong. Okay, you yep. put in replay exactly for this. So it's yep. not the official's job to buzz upstairs. What you're supposed to have then is a guy looks at that and says, you know, that that's close. Not sure yet, but that's close. Yeah. Well, he's flying. Anything that's like he's catching and flying out of bounds yeah. in a diving position should probably be looked at. You know? and, do- and dude upstairs hits a buzzer, and the referee's like, oh, I'm being buzzed. Hold on. Let's stop the game. So in that one... Like, and and I did, did see that the head of officiating was asked about it because that's a huge miss. Like, that is, you put that system in to prevent that, and now you just allowed it to happen. The other thing, though, is you are right. The officials on the field had a terrible day. Had a terrible day. 12 men on the field. The holding call on Derisaw that Moose t- talked about is not a hold, but you're going to screw it. That's going to get screwed up sometimes. I, yeah. I get that. But... The one that I didn't get was, I think it was in the first half, Hawkinson in the end zone is called for an OPI. Okay. Then on the very next play, Hawkinson's jersey is grabbed, and they don't call it. And then a couple of times, Jefferson, who should get calls, you're wearing 18, you're the best player in purple and arguably on the field. Like the officials should be protecting you at every turn because you're a superstar. He didn't get about three calls. And, and like, I don't think Jefferson is a Thielen meltdown guy. Like, I don't see him get really hot and, like, start gesticulating. But a couple of times he did, and he was exactly right. Those guys had a bad, bad day. So, guys in zebra shirts, what are we doing? What are we Mm -hmm. doing here? Come on. I can kind of live with some of the, you know, grab the jersey stuff that gets missed. You know, I, I get it. That happens. It's just, and sometimes they let guys play. Oh, there's a little handful of jersey. But the procedural stuff, like not reviewing the the, the close quarters sideline catch with 24 seconds left, I mean, that's just like such an obvious, dude, just take a deep breath. Let's just take a look at this real quick. It'll take five seconds, okay? Uh, and then the 12-man thing, can we not count? Right. How many? There's literally like, how many officials are there out there? Six, eight, ten? I don't even, I don't, I don't even know. It's yeah. a lot. But one of them's counting. That's they're his job. They're supposed to count that. Yes, they're yeah. supposed to count <laughs> Free staff. Oh, there's a 12th guy. Hold on a second. Last yeah, time I checked, I played 11. So. It's like at first I thought when I when I saw the tweet, I was like, oh, the, there was like maybe a 12th guy running off the field and they didn't call it. No, there were 12 guys playing defense, like actively playing defense on the play. Because uh, like, watching the play, it was like, boy, that was either a terrible play call or the Bills just like sniffed something out on film there. That was that was a. For that to you've rarely seen a Vikings red zone play blow up like that, where they just lose like five yards. Like, okay. At what point, if you're the Bills, do you have a guy who says, "Oh my God, we've got twelve guys," but instead of "Get off, get off, get off," he's like, "Too late. Let's just hope it gets through." <laughs> right? Did they know? Well, probably the thing, at you, least one guy. A, probably if you run knew, a guy yeah. off, it's obvious. But yeah. If, they, if if the ball's about to be snapped and. I'm guessing no at least one guy. I'm guessing at least one. I, I mean, there is no way that somebody on the Bill sideline didn't know. Yeah. And at some point, it's like, you know what? Let's just low key this and see what happens. Yeah. So, anyhow, oh, probably so much more. And we'll, we're going to get into statements on Mackie and Judd today, our other daily show. So, but yeah, that's that's your Purple Daily Monday recap here. I think before, I think we owe it to the audience one more time here. They're eight and one. They just beat the Bills in Buffalo. Get the flag. Yeah, Minnesota Vikings, man. We'll see what the national talking heads say on this Monday throughout the day too. Maybe we can grab a couple a couple things. I did see like Max Kellerman on the. ESPN Radio Morning Show. Someone yeah. sent a clip of him just like begrudgingly, like oh, I guess I could put him above Mariota now with Kirk Cousins, <laughs> but he wasn't. Kirk Cousins was not good yesterday. He was just sort of resilient and kept just being aggressive down the field, which that's what you want. Don't compound 
having a bad game with them being conservative. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have a bad game, it's not like gambling where like, oh, I'm down 100 bucks at the blackjack table. I should now increase my bet sizes. Don't do that. But in a football game, you should. I'm down by 17. What do I got to lose? I'm just going to start throwing 50-50 balls to JJ. Right. Boom. That's exactly how you respond. Anyhow, thanks for hanging out with us here. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. Judd, Phil, Declan, we'll see you guys tomorrow. This is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. When Tyreek Hill signed with the Miami Dolphins, we all thought, what the hell is he doing? What made many scratch their heads even further was comments praising Tua's accuracy. In fact, people got tired of listening to Tyreek Hill. They would go as far as to just tell him to just shut up and focus on football. Well, the Miami Dolphins are 7-3. Tua Tagovailoa is near 2,000 yards, 15 touchdowns with three interceptions. Not to mention the Dolphins now sit at the top of the AFC East. Well, they can hear you now, Tyreek. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget, BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf exists at BetOnline.net as well. Head to the website today or use a mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.